Welcome to the Writer's Block Podcast. I'm writer Polly Roberts, and every episode I will be in conversation with another Cornwall-based writer, discussing process, why we write, and the part Cornwall plays in our work. I hope you find some wisdom and inspiration in what you hear. The Writer's Block is the Creative Writing Centre for Cornwall. With innovation and creativity at our heart, we offer both a place to write and a unique approach to developing confidence and skills in writing for everyone. Natasha Carthew is a Cornish working class writer and poet. She's written nine books, including three YA novels, a novel, All Rivers Run Free, a book for the National Trust, prose poetry for Hypatia, and non-fiction. Her memoir, Undercurrent, a Cornish memoir of poverty, nature and resilience, is out in 2023. She is the founder of the Nature Writing Prize for Working Class Writers and artistic director of the Working Class Writers Festival. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi, Natasha, and welcome to the podcast. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, thanks. Yeah, up at six o'clock this morning, editing and writing and all the usual. So, yeah, ready to, to just to take some time out and chat with you today, Polly. Yeah. Thank you so much. So that's all the usual. That's your normal morning, is it? Yeah, it is my normal. normal. I'm, I'm hoping for some time off in next uh, next month, August. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to some some downtime. But I'm always working. I think a lot of us writers, you don't really stop because you've always, even if you've kind of cleared the decks with Absolutely. deadlines and stuff, you've always got something in your head that you need to you know, make notes Absolutely. or think about. So, yeah. It's really funny, isn't it? It does just, the writer's work never, ever stops. <laughs> It never it never stops but I wouldn't I wouldn't do anything else no yeah, I, I, I mean I that's it it's such a yeah. brilliant job to be able to have but yeah it's it is funny how I I always think that too I'll, I'll put a project down and think oh phew and then I kind of think about it and it's like oh of course I've got five more on the go already <laughs> yeah it's the, na- it's the nature of the job isn't it, it really it's creative is. minds we, we just we just keep busy yeah <laughs> did you <laughs> keep find ourselves busy yeah have you always kind of had that busy creative mind then yeah always since since yeah since I was a child all I wanted to be was a writer um so that's I mean as soon as I could write stories I was telling stories before I could write so I could so I could get to bed later I'd sit on my mum's lap and it'd be bedtime and I'd just kind of start a story and then you know let the art of of the the page turner I suppose because I'd then be like and then what happened and then what happened (laughs) and then I'd get a good hour of, of staying up because I was just telling stories and then I'd go to bed and I'd be telling my sister that you know the next episode or whatever so wow. do, do you think yeah. you even knew what you were doing that you were writing or creating stories or yeah, I didn't yeah and I didn't at that time and that's only recently because I've been writing my memoir that I've just kind of I realized how much that was just embedded right. in me and my personality from very early on was just telling stories which we, we naturally do as children, but I just haven't stopped, I yeah. suppose. Well, and some people do just have that even more, isn't it? I mean, my mum said to me once, she said, oh, we kind of knew you'd be a writer because every time you saw any stranger, you would make up a story about, oh, and they are so-and-so and they're doing this and this is what's going on. Exactly. And it was yeah. like, oh. I, I, always, I always say that with people who are trying to learn to write dialect is to just watch people and kind of think about, you know, it's like the, the unsaid, think about what they're talking about, look at the body language, mm. and also, you know, the way that people never finish a sentence, none of us kind of really finish a sentence, and someone else will butt in, and, you know, and, and that's that really helps for people, it's kind of a little tip, I suppose, yeah. is, is when you're writing dialogue, is to, is to just watch people. I think it's a great them. tip, and I think it's really interesting, isn't it, because it is that particular observatory kind of nature of the writer maybe to to be curious about yeah. what else is going on there not just the words being said and then yeah to translate that onto the page somehow it is yeah curiosity that's that's it yeah so do, do you think like when did the concept of being a writer come into your your life that- um I just started writing poetry I suppose from about the age of eight nine um you know, you have that moment where you're out in nature and I've always, I've read all my books outside, I've written all my books in the wild, eight books, my memoirs, my ninth. Um, <clears throat> and you're there in the kind of the storm on the beach and you just kind of, that that passion inside is, is inside, it's outside. And you suddenly realise that a storm is within as well. And once you start to make that connection with nature, with the nature of self, I think that's probably was the moment. And then I've, I've, from that moment on, I carried a little notebook in my back pop- pocket of my jeans and I'd just write notes and ideas and, 
you know, it could be song lyrics, poetry. So wow. from a very early age, I've, I've written and I didn't want to do anything else. I didn't, you know, I wasn't good at school. Well, I didn't care for school. I left school at 15. I was a bit of a wild child. So for me, all I wanted to do was write. So I knew that I didn't want, I wasn't going to have a second career. Yeah. I didn't want a second career. I worked in jobs, you know, cleaning jobs, factories, whatever, for the bit of cash so I could just spend the rest of my time writing. Right. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and so the writing at first, it just was that natural kind of reflexed. So you'd go outside, you'd feel that connection to nature, you'd feel the things that, that I love that description of the storm outside, the storm inside. And then writing was just that reflex of a way to express it. It was, yeah. And it, and I think it, it was that, that way to just understand the world around you mm. and also to understand yourself. You know, once you make that connection with writing, you kind of can't stop because that's that's really kind of the essence of, of all of us. Um, and, yeah, nature always has played a, an incredibly big part in my life, Um with what I write about but also to know who I am and, and my place in the world I suppose yeah did that did that also just come innately or were you were you raised in a particularly kind of rural way or with connections made to nature yeah I, I'm born and raised in southeast Cornwall um grew up in a village called Down Dairy which um if anyone who knows it is is kind of about seven miles from Lou, which is would have been the nearest town um, yeah, and, and I grew up in severe poverty, so we didn't have a lot of, well, we didn't have any entertainment outside of our little village. So for me, writing and and music, I suppose as well, and lyrics is is was my entertainment. And then going out into nature, yeah, it was free. You know, it's there, it's, yes. it's beautiful, and it was, and it's harsh as well, especially when you live in poverty. You know, it's 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 not just the summers as people imagine in Cornwall. It's it's that harshness of our winters and the storms and everything else. So for me, nature was something that was for free. And then I could take that and, and then write about it, I suppose. Did you yeah. find your community that there were other people in your community making that connection to and making the most of that free um, place to be able to thrive and find entertainment? Yeah, as kids, I mean, growing up on a, a small council estate, we were we were very much a community, um, one big family, and we, you know, we as kids would we would just head off for the day up in the fields or down on the beach, and play and make up our own stories, you know, and and have battles and, you know, just just that freedom of children. I suppose yeah. also growing up in the eighties, we had we you you could just go off for the day. It wasn't, people didn't kind of worry as much as maybe they do now yeah. for other reasons. We could just head out and have these incredible days yeah. playing and, and, and exploring. And for me, I suppose I've never stopped that because nature is all about exploration. And um, But the difference between me and everyone else was then I was recording it and getting it down. Yes. You know, getting it yeah, down so you, you were the only person doing that. Is that what you found? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd say I was. That's that's why I'm successful now. I think is is because I've just I've never stopped doing mm. that. Did you and remember you anyone kind of saying to you, oh, "You could be a writer," or how did you come up with that idea? Yeah, my mum always said I was a writer, and yeah, I was always just the storyteller. Like around a fire or bonfire on the beach, I would tell a story, or Aww. you know, I was always interested in other people's stories as well. And I think that that's 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 the key as well to being a successful writer is to not just think about yourself but be you have to be curious about everybody Absolutely. the bigger picture other people's stories yes. yeah yeah it's really funny I'm actually really noticing more and more as my life goes on how many people kind of leave nowadays like voice notes just randomly being like Polly I've just like really decided that it would be fantastic to record these stories from my childhood maybe you can come and hang out and or Polly I've just been hanging out with this group of really interesting people and they've got such fascinating stories from this place maybe we can get you up here to record the story and I'm just thinking yeah oh wow I've really set something here that I hadn't realized in motion of people gathering my in that I'm interested in their stories and, yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's part of who we are. And I think a lot of people have forgotten that storytelling is, is in us from day dot, you know, it's what, it's what separates us from the other animals is that we are storytellers. And mm. before we, we wrote anything down, we told stories and we, people roamed the country telling stories, um, 
you know, and they would adapt. Yeah. It's like the troll tellers, the Cornish troll tellers, they would yeah. adapt a story. So if they were speaking to fishermen, they would tell a story that involved fishermen. If they were talking to farmers, they would tell the same story, but the main characters would be a farmer or whatever. So, yes. you know, and that's that's what troll telling is. And that's that's what's inherent in us is to tell stories and 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 pick up a story and carry it. Like you're saying, you take you might listen to someone's story and then you will naturally tell the story in a different way as you pass it on it's like Chinese whispers and then you know the story becomes something completely different you know and I love that I think storytelling is is especially for us Cornish it's 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 very important to us that's really interesting though because something that fascinates me about your writing is is how you've jumped from genres and you've kind of written for different people different ages different groups and and actually you saying that I'm thinking wow so you are you were just doing that traditional story not just sorry but you're using that traditional storytelling method of being able to adapt a story to okay hang on I'm talking to young people now let me tell this story to young people yeah exactly and I I think naturally as 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 we develop as writers I mean I I was successful from a young age as a poetry as a poet writing poetry but you naturally you might write a poem that thinks, oh, actually, this could be a short story. This, There's more to this mm. poem than what I've got on the page. And so naturally you move on to, you know, that's that's what brought me into fiction. And then that's what brought me into, um, well, writing memoir or writing nonfiction or writing um, field notes. It's, it's, it's all the same. It's just that, you know, I think a lot of writers think, okay, I'm, you know, they naturally put themselves in a box yeah. and, can't see any way out and you just think write it all like write it all and if it's not working in one genre it's going to work in another way you know just just experiment Mm. because writing is fun it is fun and you have to just remember that and and just kind of shift it around have you managed to maintain that fun side of it then absolutely yeah i love it love love writing yeah and writing memoirs just i mean like because as as i was talking to you now about those childhood Um, games that we used to play you know or you you saying that you speak to people who have talked about things that have happened in their childhood or they might like to record do it everyone should do it because it's it's such fun yeah. writing memoir for me was the most fun I've ever had <laughs> because, yeah you know in a way it's also because it's already been written it's 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 in history whereas fiction you know you can get you can write yourself into a corner then you have to dig yourself back out yes. and find a different path whereas memoir or, or non-fiction is it's happened it's you know and so you're yeah. you're just rewriting and you get deeper and deeper and you find out things about yourself and other people that you never thought about before and that's that's the fun of it as well that is really interesting isn't it because when you're writing fiction you've got so much control over the story haven't you but but like you say it's weird because at the same time as oh i can absolutely control why this person's like this and why this happens and how that's going to happen at the same time because you're making it all up there are holes that you find all the time of hang on how did it come like this and and how do I make sure it's not completely cliche and that actually there's still some kind of weird interesting context to it whereas when you're working from your own life there is there is a pathway there is something that has already been trodden that's leading you there but then at the same time I I guess none of us really understand our stories fully until digging back through them so so much must come to the surface exactly yeah so much just you know things come to the surface and then there's things that you didn't think that you would explore because you've kind of, you know, your memory, that's the thing with memoir as well. It's memory. It's not that someone has given you loads of records of, you know, family history records. It's literally memoir. So you have a little bit of that kind of gray area yes. where you, you like, well, this is how I remember it, you know, yeah. because that you, you can say that and other people might say, well, I don't, I remember it differently, but that's the nature of being different people. Yes. You know? yes. We're not all, we're not all plugged into the same matrix. So that's why memoir is so brilliant because it's, you know, you can, you can have two children writing the same story from their childhood and be completely different yes. narratives because of memory and because of individuality. And that's, that's the beauty, I think. And that's what I always say when I'm, I mean, I wrote a, kind of travel memoir when I was about 25 it's probably terrible now <laughs> but I I wrote it and released it by myself and is part of a big art exhibition but I remember talking to some friends afterwards who were like oh how did you have the nerve to kind of talk about other people that were in your life or that you met 
And I just kept saying, well, it's my experience. I hope that everybody that reads it isn't reading it as 100% fact of how everything was for everybody. I was just trying to own this is my individual take and my individual journey with this experience. And and I think it is really interesting if you can approach each memoir with that of this, wow, I'm getting a unique insight into one person's mind, which we never get to have and then knowing that yeah if it was someone else's mind from that same story yeah exactly you know and I, I think with with undercurrent which is which is the new book with with Hodder is it's a it's a memoir of um nature poverty nature and resilience is its title so for me the bigger picture of poverty growing up in that time growing up in a council estate um I've also, I'm writing the story not just from my family's perspective, but from the bigger community. Right. So again, as you're saying, I, I you know, I'm, I'm mindful not to kind of be putting anything in there that is is harmful in any way, but it is a true account because I want to, you know, I want it to go into history, I suppose, mm. as a moment in time when, you know, it's so important for people to know about the issues, the social issues we have in Cornwall and we still have now and the um, the similarities and the differences between growing up in poverty in the 80s and how people are experiencing poverty now in Cornwall and also in the rural country, you know, across the land where we have a lot of, you know, severe problems. So for me, it is making sure that I got um, that true account, that bigger picture, that social account, I suppose, yes. that's not just me, but within that kind of within that setting yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you that actually whether there was a kind of greater drive a greater purpose or hope that you had for this book and this is so it's undercurrent and it's being released is it May next year it's April, April actually okay. April yeah, yeah with harder amazing but yeah so yeah. there was this hope of did, did you get a contract before the book to and that incited you to write it or was this um, something I've, started already no, I, I mean, I, I, anyone who knows me knows I talk about rural poverty and social economic issues in this country anyway, and coming from a working class perspective. Um, so I pitched it to my, well, I chatted to my um, brilliant agent and we drew up a pitch, basically. You just draw up a kind of a, um, just just to kind of like what, what, what the things you've got to cover um, and then, yeah. And then it goes out, then it goes out to publishers. Mm. So we were really good because we got a few publishers, quite a few publishers interested. So it went to auction, which was absolutely incredible. Wow. Um, so it's, so then it's like you're interviewing the, the editors. Usually it's an editor will kind of be asking you questions. And so that was good fun because you, you got to really know a lot of editors and what they were interested in and how they saw the book. And because it's a memoir, it's so close to your heart you know that moment when you have that connection with an editor and you know that, yeah, this person is going to do the utmost best yes. um, for the greater good of, of the book because it's not just, as I said, it's not just about my my upbringing. It's it's about that bigger picture, that that moment in time, that, um, yeah. that time I grew up in. Yeah. yeah. And so what what is your hope from the book, if, the, if that book could do something for the world or something for someone? <laughs> I want as many people as possible to read it and say, yeah, that's my community and and what can I do to change? What can we do to change? Mm. Um, because obviously that, that, that gap is getting wider and wider. wider. Um, and we really need to think about our beautiful rural locations and, and what harm is being done um, and how to change that or how to be mindful that we don't let things, you know, these huge big houses. I mean, my village down Derry, where I'm, I'm not, I don't live there now. I can't afford to live there. Um, the houses that are being built there, kind of, I would say, unregulated. Right. Um, huge, huge big houses. They're not for locals. Yeah. You know, and, and and that's fine to kind of, you know, to try to have a balance. People might argue, but the thing is, we all know people are being priced out of their villages, yeah. all over Cornwall, all over the southeast. Uh, um, all over Cumbria I mean it's not just here but but, and so that's what I want people to connect and for us all to get together and not just think about our own little area but actually look look around the country and around Europe or wherever and be like well what can we do to change um or how can we be mindful to to put in steps to make sure that yeah 
the change doesn't happen and then we can't get it back, yes. you know, because these beautiful places are just being, um, just being completely trashed basically. Mm. Yeah. Down Derry is, is, is a mess. Mm. No, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. being down here myself, I, I know exactly what I can picture it without being there. And, yeah. and I, I think it's really interesting to me actually considering when just hearing you talk, it's really jumping out to me actually why undercurrent, is important because I'm suddenly thinking do you know what I feel really naive to this too so many of the books or films or programs that I've watched or read that have represented those poorer communities are urban and there's just this picture of of that you that's what is on offer and that's where poverty lies and actually there's a kind of completely invisible line to the to the rest of the world it feels like or to, yeah, to a lot of the country. Yeah. yeah that's exactly it world poverty people don't think about it I mean if you if you put it into a google search people you, you see it um like like you know whole continents like Africa which is a whole new complete new different ball game um and also incredibly important but rural poverty here is 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 really kind of forgotten about because people think of oh yeah you know tower blocks and inner cities and of course they have their problems but we have a lot of problems yeah. that are different because yeah. we have our we have transport problems we don't have transport basically yes. um our infrastructure in cornwall is just is absolutely ridiculous yeah. our trains are just cancelled all the time our airports are too expensive yeah. so so we have that problem we have connectability for writers to be able to travel to anywhere to read their yeah. poetry for example that was my trouble. That was my problem growing up when I was young because yeah. we didn't have a car. So I had to walk 10 miles to get into Plymouth wow. to do any event or whatever. So wow. then you don't. Opportunities are lost. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not unique to me. That's unique to every rural community yeah. when you don't have the money, yeah. you don't have the car, you don't have the transport, you don't have the money for the train if the train arrives. Yeah. You know, the list the list goes on and on. Yeah. And, and, and that's why I kind of fight this fight, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you've, you've fired me up now. <laughs> I can feel it burning. <laughs> but no, and I mean, it's, it's interesting. I think it's such a, a valuable concept as well this idea of the importance of nature in that too so it's yes there are these problems in the rural, rural community but then there is this huge value to being able to be amongst that nature and have that freedom and access that you had growing up as well and the richness that that brought you and just yeah. again yeah all of what you've talked about then that point of being pushed out of that access to that and then also the inaccessibility that you have from being surrounded by that or that freedom being taken away by pollution or buildings or whatever it is that's that's just mindlessly entering into those communities too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean that's that's it in a nutshell, really. So for me, this this book is very important, um, and I'm looking to tour as much as possible, just just not just around Cornwall, but as many places as possible, just to just to talk and connect to other communities so we, we so we feel less alone i think that's really important as well well you've sold it to me so i think you've probably sold it to all our listeners already so keep going natasha <laughs> I, I was interested in um when you're talking about transport there that was something i'd been really curious about is how how have you managed to get out of of cornwall and break through to because you've published with several different publishers actually which is quite unique as a writer and you've you've managed to gain a reputation across the whole country well UK wide really and yeah how did you form those relationships and how did that start for you um well career-wise as I say I started with poetry and I was pretty successful there but then I when I wrote my first book Winter Damage which is set on Bodmin Moor um I immediately got an agent and I immediately got a contract with Bloomsbury, which was brilliant. And they decided, they, they didn't know whether it would be put out as an adult or as a young adult. Um, and they decided with young adult, which is absolutely fine. So then that I then got a second contract with them and then a third contract. So I got my first three books, um, fiction is with Bloomsbury. And then my fourth fiction was with Quirkus, um, All Rivers One Free, which is set on the River Tamar, it's from source to sea, and the, uh, it's, it's a travel. It's it's almost like a travelogue in a way, but this this girl trying to get home from North Cornwall at the source of the River Tamar, right. um, down to here, southeast Cornwall, where I'm from. Um, so for me, that was that was 
because I'd done the young adult thing, which was kind of by default, I wanted to make sure that my next book was very um, definitely for adults. So that's right. that's literary fiction. I mean, all my work is literary fiction, right. working class literary fiction, I suppose. Um, so, so yeah. So and then from there, I've done a couple of books, um, prose poetry with the National Trust and with Hypatia down here, yes. which was was my latest book, which was called Born Between Crosses which was brilliant because they're um, women's, Cornish women's literary, literary uh, charity. Yeah. And then, then signed the memoir. So yeah, I, I just, I just love writing and I just love to kind of explore <laughs> genres and I mix them up as well, you know, and there's, they might be put in one box, they might be put in another, but, but that's, that's it. Yeah. That's the fun of it. I mean, I, I like, I don't mean to laugh there because there's, there's just that simplicity <laughs> of it that I'm thinking, why, sh- why shouldn't it be like that? I just like to write. I just write because actually there is this idea a lot of the time I feel like I'm fed anyway. What type of writer are you then? What do you write? And and what are you going to write next? And this assumption that it will kind of keep going the same. Who is your publisher? And actually there's something quite refreshing about, well, no, I, I just write actually and I see what, what I explore. I can, you've used that word several times, that exploration yeah. being important. And, 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 you know, write, I mean, for anyone, writers listening to this podcast is write for yourself, 100% write for yourself and then see what's out there. I think a lot of people worry about what's popular at the moment so they try and fit into that. Or And also, at the time, I think maybe a lot of people don't realise it takes, everything takes a lot of you know, a lot of time. So whilst you're waiting for your next edits to come back, write some poetry or mm. write a short story, you know, explore different things and read, read all the different genres and all the different things because that's that's really where you think, oh, okay, I can, I can you know, yeah. merge this with that. You can kind of cross stuff. You can, that's, that's the beauty of yes, it. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Do you know, I can sometimes, well, quite often I can forget the reading aspect and then I will find a book and I'll start reading. And I feel my body literally filling with inspiration. And I just, every time I'm like, God, Polly, just next time, just pick up a book, just keep on picking up books because yeah. it's just such a key to it. And yeah, somehow I forget all the time. Yeah, yeah. And music as well. Listen to music, listen to lyrics, TV, films, watch dramas. You know, that, I mean, that's, that's, I've just w- watched for the second time the series Sharp Objects, which is absolutely mm-hmm. brilliant series. If anyone's seen that, if you haven't, watch it, because that is an absolute masterclass in writing and dialogue and what is unsaid, I think people sometimes forget about those gaps between. It's the unsaids. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not those peaks. It's also those troughs. And yeah, it's, you, you immerse yourself in creativity. Mm, that's lovely piece of advice how how do you balance then all of these different projects if there's always I mean we were just talking before the podcast about the fact that this morning you were up early and I mean me too but I think I only got as far as the dog walk and thinking about what I do that day and sitting outside and having my breakfast but you'd already worked on your edits and thought about finishing a um, article for mislexia so (laughs) how do you balance between it all yeah, you just have to you have to stick with what you what you need to do that day. Like I'm pretty strict on my day. Um, I work like a, as in inverted commas a normal working day hours, um, and that's really important for me. So if I if I know that I have an article to finish, I will work on that till it's finished. And then, but if something is more important, and then that can be put aside for a day, then I will do that. But I will, I will work up until lunchtime. um, And I will have a break. And then I'll be working up until kind of five o'clock, four or five o'clock, depending. And when I wrote, when I'm writing fiction, I do three, um, 3000 words a day, which is pretty much which is, which is a chapter, that's a chapter for me. So that's the how I work it out. So a chapter a day is 3000 words. Right. Um, and I write longhand as well, so that's easier for me to not be distracted. So, but and, and that's why I write outside actually, because with wild writing, you're not distracted by your phone, by your laptop, you're not looking through screens, you're literally immersed in nature and you've got your writing. So there's no excuse, you know, yes. you've just here I am with my writing pad and my notepad and off you go. Yeah. I, I again I think that's something that I've forgot I used to write everything longhand first up until very very recently and 
so yeah every novel or longer book that I've written I've written it all outside as well and I think there is that element exactly what you're describing of that everything else is pulled away from you I mean I've noticed more recently that I get this urge to write when I go away from home if I'm traveling or if I'm on a trip and it's the same thing I guess actually that that the the dishes aren't there the things to think about around the house aren't there and that I can just immerse myself in that imaginative space and relax into it but I've never thought that actually I could also just go back to walking down the road and sitting in under a tree and um yeah finding a little spot to to get away from it all there as well and immerse in it yeah exactly and inspiration as well like if you if you the, the chapter's not working you just you look around yourself you don't have to be in the country you can be in a park you can be in a coffee shop you know a lot of people write in coffee shops or whatever you just look around you and write something else, yeah. write an observation, and then the next minute you'll be back in the work that you have to do. You know, I've never had writer's writer's block because of that. Right. Wow. So never because... in your life. No. No. Amazing. <laughs> because you just write, just write something, just write something, and then you're back in it. Yeah. Amazing. And do you have regular spots that you go to to write outdoors? Um, well. Yeah, I do. I go, I go for a walk, and then I'm, then I'm, you know, wherever, wherever I find myself. But by by the liner, the river liner here. So often, I'm I write down by the liner. But I've also got, um, I call it my writing cabin, but it's just a little kind of, uh, it's kind of like a half a shed that I've made with scrap wood. I wrote, I made it years ago actually, and I wrote Winter Damage in it was the first book, which is ten years ago. Right. So it's still standing, but it's kind of a half. It's kind of like a shed, really, to be honest. <laughs> and half of it is is outside, so you're, you're away from the weather, but you're still outside. Yes. It's got a bit of a roof. But yeah, my writing cabin, and um, that's that's done me well for for nine books so far and counting. Amazing. So have you been where you've your base now for quite a while then? Yeah, I've been in this house um, it's in the Tamar Valley for twenty years. Yeah, wow. yeah. So it's 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 it suits me. Oh my yeah, gosh! Little lovely little cottage. Yeah. And you living with your partner? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So do they work years. in a, a a very kind of nine to five way too? I'm always curious about yeah. how writers work around that. Yeah, she she works in education, so she's she's in, in in and out. I mean, she used to be always out, but obviously during COVID and everything, so. Um, often she's on teams and things, but yeah, but that's, but that's, that's fine. Cause yeah, cause I'm outside. I think it's harder for couples who have had to work, um, in the house and you have, you know, your, your, your two tables or your two offices or whatever it is, depending on the size of your house. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I do like to get out and be out, out yeah. as it were. Yeah. No, I think that's, that makes a lot of sense because I'm, I'm thinking just from my own experience, but also from talking to people, like you say, the last few years when there was a lot of suddenly everybody working from home and trying to work the same hours and, and those distractions are just quicker and easier to come by. And yeah. it's just easier to, yeah, even doing something kind, like offering someone another cup of tea, but actually then <laughs> you break the flow. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah. And then you, all of a sudden you're putting the hoover around. Yes, and you're, exactly. Yeah, and you're, you've, you've got this morning on all of a sudden on the telly. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I'm quite strict to myself because of, because of doing this for so long, I think when, when everyone started to have to work from home, I was just thinking, God, why is everyone got, having such problems? It's because I remember back when I first started working full-time as a writer, that is that was hard to get yourself into a routine, but I've done it for so long now that I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm hard on myself. Yes. So it, it, you have to be strict. Yeah, if you want to get right. the work done, you have to be strict. I think that, you can't yeah. procrastinate. I can see that, actually, that if, if that was the job that you kind of started with, young then you you already started it with that same flow of this is my work ethic this is what I expect out of work um, rather than kind of coming to it later thinking oh writing that might be a bit more free and easy <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so exactly, do, do you yeah. find you still have have to do the other types of writing work in order to to maintain being a writer as a living so teaching writing or writing articles or is it more that for you you would love to do all of that anyway that's all part of being a writer for you um I'm I'm I like to talk about what it means to be a writer from a disadvantaged background it's really important for me now as as as, as a successful writer that I spend time talking to groups or I spend time at festivals talking about that yeah 
um, because I think, you know, it's representation. And there's also younger people, if they see themselves represented on the stage or, you know, in an article, they, they then think, oh, I can do that too, you know, and yes. I think that's really important for me. So I like to write the articles just because I'm a kind of a big mouth, I suppose, <laughs> really, you know, and I, I, like, I just like to talk about the subject. I can talk about it all day long um about working class issues for mm. writers because it's it's for me if, if we don't we're going to lose authentic voices we're going to lose those mm. authentic stories mm. yeah and you're such a good advocate for it so just keep keep on doing it but it, it's really <laughs> amazing to me what how prolific you are so the amount of books you've written and writing work you've done but then also, so you are the director of the Working Class Writers Festival and the founder of the Nature Writing Prize for Working Class Writers. How did that come about? Um, well, Class Festival was just, I had been touring with All Rivers One Free, um, my book with Quackers, and I was going to lots of different festivals and I just kept seeing the same people on the stage um, who were predominantly middle class, um, white middle class people, um, and I was just thinking, oh, where, where are there ever, where are the people like me? Where, where are these other stories? So I started chatting to a few people and asking them how they they got to the festival. They weren't being paid a fee; none of us were, mm-hmm. um, which I don't accept now as a writer. But you know, back then I did, and they didn't. They weren't paid um, any travel or anything like that. And I thought, okay, this is this is not right because only people who can afford to go to festivals will be going to festivals to read their books. So people who have um, can't afford travel or accommodation, people who can't afford to take time off work or childcare, those sorts of issues. Yeah. Um, so I just put something out on Twitter. This was 2000, this was 2018. Yeah. I just put something out on Twitter to say, oh my God, we need a festival of our own. And I kind of, you know, like looking around thinking, is someone going to go, yeah, I'll do it. And nobody did. So then I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, I'll do it. Um, and it, it, yeah, that it was it was a huge moment because it was hundreds and hundreds of people saying, yes, we need this. Um, and I said, okay, I'll, I'm going to do it, you know, naively, big mouth writer. <laughs> so then we had COVID. So yeah, the first, the inaugural um, festival was last year, 2021 in Bristol in October and it was yeah it was incredible we had lots of famous writers and workshops we embedded ourselves in the community as well as in the city um online things and yeah it was brilliant I I made 60 62,000 I raised wow for the festival which was Arts Council in part and my co-partners um well, funding was from Hachette UK, who is my publisher anyway, and Penguin Random House. So that 62000 meant we could pay a wage for, uh, pay a fee, speaker's fee for every single writer. Wow. Exactly the same. And also accommodation and travel for everybody and all workshops, panels. Everything was free, which was Oh, yeah, was my brilliant. gosh. Yeah. And it was really important for me as well to have people represented, not just working class writers, be on stage but also editors and agents mm. who are you know famous you know like Hachette did a speed pitching with agent and um, with editors from all their divisions and that was absolutely incredible because it meant anyone could come and um chat to an editor for like 15-20 minutes wow. um and we had panels with agents as well and so it was it was really good it was it was really um I'm looking for funding now but for next year mm. I'm we're touring with it at the moment this year um, but yeah it was really it was very successful I mean up until the point of it happening I was telling everyone who knew me please don't let me do it again I'm just <laughs> I'm exhausted <laughs> and I have no time for myself and I'm yeah. I want to just write but as soon as it happened I'm like oh this is this is something that has to continue yes because it's not about me it was definitely it's, it's about the community and it's about representation and, and positivity really I can feel that from a lot of my works well not a lot just sometimes that that feeling where in the process it starts just being so difficult and it's that that feeling of I can't I can't do this again and then when you get to that output moment being like oh yes this is why this is worth it this is immense actually yeah yeah exactly and the feedback was incredible and we also had a um, two-thirds of the audience um, in our feedback had never been to a creative uh, like a literary event or a literary festival in their lives. So, for the so for the audience point of view as well, that was really important. Wow. That we 
that we did that because that that meant that yeah we 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 did what we stepped up to do yeah um, that's actually incredible because there is something really interesting to me about the the inaccessibility of literary events and, and not necessarily just the cost as in people not necessarily feeling welcome to attend not feeling a sense of why they would attend or that they'd be able to understand i've been doing a project recently um with newland art gallery where they've been putting arts council pieces of artwork into um, nine schools down in penwith area in the Isles of silly and and the idea being how can we bring art to people who maybe wouldn't otherwise feel like they could could connect or could interact with art or feel comfortable to go to an art gallery yeah, yeah. and I hear that a lot about writing events that it's all a, a writing workshop oh we're writing a speech like I'm not sure that that's for me so to be able to get that audience in and make it yeah accessible that's a real yeah feat. exactly and and for us as 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 creative directors or whatever is is we need to think outside the box so we we need to think about going into communities or going into working class communities or going into schools as you say just just you know to open up open up the idea is the possibility of maybe you can do this possibility that you know and that's why so many working class writers spend time going into schools to talk to kids because yes. they can tell them their story they can say look I'm like you I've made it and it is a lot harder but you know that that inbuilt tenacity you can you can do it yeah. it's hard but you can do it um and and don't so many people are told at school that you get a, get a normal job because you'll never make it as a writer because you come from poverty or whatever mm. you know and so that's why a lot of us do that is all just to say look you can do it but you've got you know it's hard but yeah who says you can't yeah. who says and looking yeah. back can you see that in your own life that those cheerleaders that that helped so you mentioned your mom in terms of like helping you think yeah okay I, I, I tell stories that's what I do actually I can do this yeah that yeah actually. only just my mum though yeah <laughs> like nobody nobody at school no, no. I, had, I had no cheerleaders at school some people do have you know the, that one teacher that that champions them but I didn't but I naturally have always championed myself so mm. yeah as the more I would take more I would be told no you you can't do something the more I wanted to kind of <laughs> you know Amazing. prove people wrong yeah, yeah, yeah you want to prove people wrong yeah. because you like you kind of have that how dare you tell yeah. me that I'm never going to be a successful writer you know you're kind of like why the gloves are off yeah let's do this yeah you know no so yeah I definitely <laughs> relate to that I was a very stubborn child <laughs> I am who I am and I'm doing what I want to do <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, that's it. That's amazing. I I wonder about. I mean, we've talked about the part that Cornwall's played in your work in terms of of it as an inspiration and, and the the passion that you have from your upbringing there and how that drives your work. But you have chosen to stay down here. I mean, did you ever move away for a short period, or has it? Yeah, happened? I did move away. I moved away when I was um, twenty one, maybe. Yeah, twenty twenty one. Moved a few places, moved to London, um, which was great, you know. But I, I, I for me, it, there was that pull. I think when you're Cornish, you often do have that pull and you, you just have to return. And it's returning to the ocean as well. It's not just about Cornwall. It's about, yeah, it's where I'm from. And it's not about family either. It's It's just in my blood. Like I can't explain when I'm away. You know, you just naturally want to come back. Mm-hmm. I think that's for a lot of us. Um and yeah, it has played such a big part in my writing. All my books are set in Cornwall. Yeah, it's just naturally like I just you know, and I think it's great for people who want to write about different places. And I write about different things, obviously. But for me, I'm I'm still there's just it's just so much here that I want to kind of explore. Yeah, um, and not just the landscape, but and, and us people. But it's just there's so much more to to explore. I think with the memoir, that was kind of another way of exploring from my perspective but yeah I love it so yeah <laughs> do you think there's more more memoir in you to... <laughs> yeah and I think there is actually kind of like the part two because yeah. this this memoir is from first memory first memories um up until the age of 20 when I moved to Plymouth to go to college to go to um to do A-levels so so that's that period of time but then the period of time after that it's quite interesting as well. Mm. Um, so we'll see what my editor <laughs> thinks. But yeah, wow. yeah, I've got so many stories. So 
all. So it's, yeah, I'm, I'm writing, fi- I'm planning fiction now, actually. I'm, I'm trying to take August off so then I can plan my next book, right. um, which is fiction, which I'm just so mad excited about that. Yeah. I just have to not say yes to anything now for the next <laughs> for the next week. For it, yeah. yeah, so then I've got some time to to just to to relax and yeah. be creative. It's in interesting, isn't it? It's really I'm I'm pregnant at the moment, and actually there's this element that I keep noticing of of wanting to give space for for that baby, just wanting a bit of time during yeah. the incubation period. And I was thinking the yeah. other day, do you know what? This is exactly the same as when I have a book up my sleeve or a creative project going on, that there's just that feeling of, okay, hang on a second, I need to step back and give space for this. And yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of, yeah, you just get that key word you just said is incubation, isn't it? You know, and when you have an idea for a story, you don't know where it's going to go. And you literally just got a notebook writing bits down, random things. But that is that incubation of just it's it's not fully formed yes yeah it's just it's there yeah what what yeah. will you do in august then what's what's your kind of helpful things to do for that period is is just lots of outdoor things lots of hiking swimming exploring um and then just yeah, reading and making notes yeah. planning 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 for the first couple of weeks and then probably the last week of august is writing a chapter overview and all going well into september is is where we start amazing that new book these days yeah. would you already send that once you've kind of got to that planning stage would you send that to a publisher already or would you still wait for the final piece uh, my editor my agent always is is the first port right. call anyway yeah. so my once i've with fiction you write the full write yeah. the full story um, and then my agent will look at it whereas with non-fiction is 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 the, the concept first mm. so yeah this this book i'll, I'll write it and then get over to her and see what she thinks yeah have you had the same agent <laughs> since that get-go no I haven't no this this agent is she's, she's just incredible yeah she's she's um she's all the things I ever wanted I think a lot of times with writers especially when we're younger we you stumble across an agent or they stumble across you and you're like yeah brilliant you know and they yeah. might get you a deal and mine did yeah both both my I'm this is my third agent right. I'm with who I'm happy to be forever she's just perfect but those early days you are especially maybe coming from from um, working class background you jump and you say right okay yes yeah. you say yes to the first because you say oh my god I don't want to lose this eight but then they're not the right person yeah. for you or they are at first but then t- things change you know yeah but I think it's really important to be truthful as writers mm. and to think sometimes if something's not working, you have to take that risk mm. and and cut ties and then hopefully some, you know, and have, have faith that someone yeah. else will, will pick you up. So, yeah. But it's such intimate work, isn't it? And I, I found it really curious myself with when when I did get contracts with publishing houses to, to real, notice the difference between how happy I would be to have my work critiqued in a workshopping space, absolutely open to receiving feedback and being able to follow my inner compass on, that's cool, I'll take that, or mm, I'll put that to the side. And then the difference when I'm hearing it from the person who is meant to be, again, that champion of my work and realising, wow, it's so intimate that you that connection has to be there, actually, that trust and... Yeah. Oh, yeah, the, 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 your relationship with your agent is... is the biggest biggest relationship you're ever going to have in publishing um because editors come and go but your agent is is you know your champion really you know and because they they stick up for you they will stick up for you they are the they're they're the person that will ask the questions that sometimes you might find them hard to ask um to an editor so yeah Yeah. they're, they're really important oh wow I'm going to be letting you go soon, but I, I, so it's been amazing talking to you and there's always so much going on in your life. We've had you involved with the writer's block a few times and, and I'm yeah. always aware that you've got millions of projects and it doesn't surprise me <laughs> at all that you already have another project up your sleeve. Um, I'm wondering if you could tell us before you go, what, what would be, if you could have, I think you've already almost described it, it sounds like you integrate it into your life, but if you could have the perfect writing day where... Where, where everything was in place to make writing work really beautifully and easily for you, what would it involve? No emails, I think, number one. So, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you check your phone. Um, so that's that's really important. Um, 
And so then you just got a cup of coffee, sit outside, beautiful day. Um, and then to have to have a set of notes. I always like to finish a day with a set of notes that are kind of open-ended. So on the next day, you know where you're going with your new chapter or whatever you're, you're, you're writing that day. So for me, that's just to have that moment when you just know that you've had no interferences, no phone calls, no emails, and you're just outside with your notebook, cup of coffee, um, and then that, and that's that's the day, yeah. And completing what what you'd set out to yes. do, you know. Sometimes sometimes you don't, and that's fine. Don't I think a lot of writers are hard on themselves, but to kind of hit that mark as close as possible, you know, that's 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 a perfect day. Yeah. So then, at the end of the day, you're not thinking about it. You're not going back to it. You can spend time with your partner, or you can go for a hike, and you know, you know that you've got that in the bag. And that's what it is. Every day is getting something in the bag, even if it's something small. Try, but start the day, try to set set out your goals um, and hit them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a lovely piece of advice. And and I I can feel that in terms of what you were saying earlier of that 3,000 words a day um, goal that you have for yourself. And, and it's lovely to hear that element of, and I can be kind to myself when I have a day where I can see why I didn't reach that. But there is that amazing feeling when, it all just flowed and there we go I wrote that chapter and it came out and and just celebrating those days when they happen yeah yeah absolutely yeah very important amazing well thank you so much Natasha and I can't wait to read Undercurrent out April 2023 um yeah hopefully it will really yeah get to travel travel the country travel the far and wide exactly yeah Yeah, brilliant thank you so much for coming on the podcast great talking yeah thanks Polly thanks a lot cheers You've been listening to the Writer's Block podcast. Find out more about the Writer's Block at thewritersblock.org.uk. Music and sound was by Jimmy Marshall from southwestsonic.com. Next episode, I'll be speaking to poet Pascal Petit. Pascal has published eight collections of poems, four of which have been nominated for the T.S. Eliot Prize. Her work incorporates political and personal themes with rich natural environments. We talk about the part nature plays in her work, how she forages for ideas from the wilderness, her movement from sculpting into poetry, and so much more. Her conversation is as inspired as her work, so tune in next time to have a listen. Click subscribe to hear when this episode is released and to help us share these conversations with others. Thank you for listening.